If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. you cool cats and kittens let's just get right into it today because she's back we welcome behind the velvet rope miss carol baskin thank you for having me david and thank you for sporting the flowers listen you just keep coming back and i'm gonna have a different one of these every time you're just giving me an excuse to wear the flowers carol (laughs) how are you today and what is going on in the world of big cats and kittens today for you Ah, there's so much going on. We have a little bobcat named Summer who's in rehab and she's just been having the most difficult time. She was actually picked up by an excavator that was clearing some land. And so she had an injury and she had some horrible infections. And so it's really been a struggle with her. And yet in the happy news department on Friday the 13th, Jeff Lowe and Lauren Lowe, who were the successors to Joe Exotic and the whole Tiger King thing, They relinquished ownership of all of the rest of their animals to the Department of Justice, who is putting them into legitimate USDA facilities. So that's really good news. It's supposed to be happening between Friday and tomorrow. So all those animals should be getting out there and getting the relief that they need. So that's really good news. And of course, our federal bill is just zooming right along and we're getting more and more co-sponsors. So it's all good. Wow. So, I mean, is that all the animals... That's it. Like they have no more animals now that they're all being handed over. So that's kind of a big thing, right? That is a huge, huge thing. The government had gone in uh, several months ago and had confiscated all of the cubs because they found that they were speed breeding these cats and they weren't giving the cubs the nutrition they needed. So they were ending up with lifelong impairments that caused them to be crippled. And so they took all the cubs and all of the mothers And then they came back and they got more of the endangered species out of there. And then they came back Friday and I don't know what kind of pressure they put on the Lowe's to sign them over, but they signed everything over to the Department of Justice. And so these are the people, just so I understand, that worked with Joe that we saw in Tiger King, like that whole conglomerate. Yeah, we had worked with Joe Exotic to actually have him stop doing the cub petting during the the uh, litigation that we had with him. My husband and he had worked out an agreement where he'd stop doing the cub petting and he could just continue to run his zoo. And then Jeff Lowe came in at the 11th hour and said, don't do that. I'll pay all your legal fees and we'll keep breeding cubs. And so they kept breeding cubs. And then, as you know, Joe ended up in jail and Jeff ended up moving to Thackerville with the remaining animals. But um, thankfully, the Department of Justice kept the pressure on until they got all the animals away from them. Wow. So that's great. I want to talk more about Big Cats and Kittens in a few minutes, but let's talk about the Peacock show, which is in development. There's so much talk about this new Peacock show, which is coming out about Tiger King. Are you involved in that at all? Like, have they called for you to consult or I mean, 
it's there's a character based on you yeah this is the one with kate mckinnon correct yeah when um there was a wondery podcast that came out in august of 2019 by robert moore and after the podcast was so successful and then after tiger king came out and that turned out to have so many people that watched it i don't know if i could say it was successful but it, it did what they needed it to do um, then you heard the announcements about Kate McKinnon doing this piece that would be based on the Wondery podcast, not based on the show. And so I was really glad to hear that she was using the Wondery podcast as her basis, because at the end of the Wondery podcast, they actually told the truth about most of these things and said, you know, we just found out we were being lied to by these animal abusers, whereas Tiger King never did get to that point. So I was glad that they were doing that. And the people from Wondery reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to sign over my life's rights to be able to do that. And I said, no, because I'm not done yet. And I have a story to tell, but my story won't be done until all of these cats are out of these miserable situations. And so they decided to do it without my blessing. <laughs> and so they have not consulted me since then. And I have no idea what they plan to do. Anytime you hear about, well, I mean, I think did your experience on Tiger King that probably played into your saying like, wait a second, before I sign over all my rights in my life story, I think I'm going to pause for a minute. Well, yeah, because we had been so betrayed. We felt like uh, we had been betrayed by the creators of Tiger King because we were being told that this was going to be the blackfish for big cats and that it was going to expose all the abuse. They were going to be talking to all these experts of why big cats don't belong in cages. And instead, people got whatever that dumpster fire of a show was, but it wasn't anything like what it was described to us. So for me to right after that, you know, go in and say, sure, you can take my life rights and do whatever crazy thing you want to do with it. No, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think that was probably a smart idea. Do you plan on watching the show at all when it comes out? Oh, sure. Because I'm going to get bombarded with questions and people wanting to talk about it. And I need to know what is there. I've watched Tiger King seven times because I could not believe people came away with the false impressions that they did. And so I, I really needed to try and see it from somebody's perspective that didn't know anything about the situation. And even after seven times, I'm still shocked. <laughs> I just can't believe people watched that and thought, well, this must be true. Yeah. Like I told you, like based on our initial chat, I just learned like a lot of it confused me. And I just learned so much about like your role in the whole big cat, you know, rescue and everything just from our talk that confused me beyond belief while watching Tiger King. So I, I get it. What about, you know, Kyle McLaughlin is signed on to play your husband. How do you feel about that? Well, my husband says Prince Charles would have been more of a lookalike for him, but um <laughs> He's a great actor, so they've got some great actors in it. And I think a lot of the people look very similar to the, the different people involved. So I think it could be very believable from that aspect. I just hope that they actually go with the truth and not with the headlines and the hype that has been. So I think it's going to be hard for them not to cave into that because the public wants to believe all this craziness. And so for you, for them to come out with a show that would dispel that and risk not getting as high ratings, I don't know whether or not they have that kind of integrity because I just don't know any of them. Right. Like they might start out with a certain amount of integrity and somehow along the way, just get lost in it. Yeah. What do you, how do you feel about Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin? Well, I think she was a, a strange choice because she's so much younger than I am. I would have thought they would have picked somebody that was older and um, less funny to be me. 
<laughs> I'm glad I may actually come out of this with a personality if Kate McKinnon plays me. So that could be nice. But I think she's an amazing actress. And I, I watched her in Bombshell. And um, I never watched Saturday Night Live. So I didn't really have that, that aspect to go on. But I went back and watched like clips that I found on YouTube to see, well, who is this person and what does she do? And she seems to have a huge range and she's capable of pulling off some real um, convincing impersonations with her just, I mean, she can change her face and her voice and all of that. And so I think she could probably be whoever she wants to be for the camera. Would you give her any advice on playing you? Well, I would hope that that she would want to find out who I am and what I'm about. And that at the very least, she would listen to my diary posts that I put out on YouTube so that she knows what was actually going on during that period of time. But I saw another interview and you can never tell from interviews whether or not there's any truth in it. But I saw another interview with somebody else who was in that show and they were saying, um, or going to be cast in it. And they were saying that they didn't want to learn about the character because they wanted to be uh, true to the script and not to whatever their influence was of that person. And so, you know, I find, I found that kind of um, unsettling that it's more important that you stick to the script than you actually portray these people for who they are. Right. So you're cautiously optimistic, but not overly optimistic that they're <laughs> going to get it correct. Oh, they're not going to get it correct. I can guarantee that because the media never does. But how far off base they are, that'll be the, the real telltale sign of whether or not they had any intention of doing the right thing. If Kate called you, I mean, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But if she did, like, would you take her call or would you meet with her if she asked? Sure. I mean, I'd just be fascinated to find out what makes her tick. That I guess I have that same kind of... Um, curiosity about somebody that you've only seen in on television or in books or however it is that you've seen them and you don't really know who they are at a personal level it's who they are at their core that really interests me yeah that could be an interesting meeting I mean I would think they would all want to meet the original people but I see what you're saying what about you know there was going to be that Amazon um incarnation also starring Nick Cage and that got scrapped any idea why that got scrapped and were you going to, did anyone ask you to consult on that during the short period that it was going to go forward? Nobody did. And the only thing I saw was what everybody saw was Nick was saying that, or Nick Cage was saying that it just kind of had its moment in time and people have moved on and it, they didn't need two more shows about Tiger King coming out. Um, and I can see how that would be the case. I think, I think Tiger King was, a unique phenomenon because of the fact that everybody was locked in their homes right at the same time. And there was so much global fear that people were looking for some kind of an escape. And even though we're still facing all of the same kind of stuff, I think we've become kind of hardened to how crazy our world has become because we've been living it for a year. I would, I agree with all of that. You know, nothing has really changed, but yet we're all kind of calmer now for some reason. Yeah. You'd think we'd be really freaked out now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not so sure if it's good that we're calmer, but you know, we are. So what about, is it good for you when like, you know, this comes along and then it goes away and it doesn't, you know, it gets canceled or whatever, like what Nick said, like, is it good to have all these things keep going on about Tiger King? 
because it brings awareness to big cats or actually you wish it would just stop because they're not really talking about the big cats or are they talking about it enough? If that makes sense. Like, do you wish it would all just go away as far as, you know, more movies and TV shows, or is it in a way good because in a roundabout way it comes back to you and big cats. I can only answer that from my own perspective. And so whenever there is a lot of chatter about any one of these programs, then the media will reach out to me and say, what do you think about that? And every opportunity I get, I try to talk about the Big Cat Public Safety Act and how we need to protect these cubs and save cats in the wild. So it gives me an opportunity every time the media reaches out. But whether or not it does any good outside of that, I don't know. I don't know if people have those conversations. If you know, if, if you were interviewing Kate McKinnon and she was just talking about, here's all the people I picked for the show and here's where we're going to film and all of that, would people look at that and think, I need to find out more about saving tigers in the wild, or would they just be caught up in the celebrityness of it and not really pay attention to the important stuff? I don't know. You might know. I don't know who all you talk to. <laughs> I mean, my gut would say they would be more caught up in the celebrity aspect of it. But I just am probably, I'm a New Yorker and I tend to have a cynical view of how the world works. I'm very happy in life, but I just have a very cynical view of the human psyche so to speak that's what I think I think like if it's coming from you and people are listening they're going to listen but I think if it's like uh, someone that's in the show it will get lost in the shuffle during their interview process but I do think like when you go on interviews it probably does help because there you are and you're mentioning it and you know what about the last time you were here? You know, you mentioned Kate McKinnon, you're shocked because she was younger. You know, you mentioned that like your ideal person to play, you would be Meryl Streep. So once, you know, you put that out into the world, any updates on that? Have you heard from Meryl once making that statement? No. <laughs> would you, how would you react if your phone rang and it was Meryl Streep? I'd probably at first not believe it because so many people call me with prank calls since Tiger King. You would not believe the level of stupidity I have to deal with on a daily basis still with people saying and doing dumb things. Nobody has pulled that prank yet, but if, if I got such a call, I'd probably think that that were the case. In fact, I actually did get a call from a member of the Senate who was asking me to come and speak to all of the chiefs of staff for the Senate. And when I got the call, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't believe them. <laughs> it turned out to really be them. So um, I, I've gotten a little cynical myself, I think. Right. Like until you realize it's them, you're just kind of like, and you're like, oh God, I just spoke to the a Senate person like this. I get it. Well, you know, recently Tara Reid has come out and said that she would like to play you. What are your thoughts on that? I don't really know Tara Reid. And I kind of agree with what Nicolas Cage was saying is that I don't know that there's a whole lot of appetite for anything more about that. I think anything else that's done on that subject, unless it really was a true tell-all, kind of like Louis Theroux did with Shooting Joe Exotic, where he comes in and says, here's what I have on tape of these people and what was going on. You know, unless the public can see that side of things to just rehash the same narrative over and over again. I don't know that that's so compelling. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, 
I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority. And I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Think back to when you were younger, when some more senior folks in your life told you, appreciate what you have while you have it. You know that saying, youth is wasted on the young? Well, let me tell you, it's true. As I age, I've turned to NAD Plus supplementation. It's really become an important part of my health routine. Staying youthful in so many different ways, including energy, is really important to me. NAD, you may not know, is found in every single cell of your body, but the body doesn't have an endless supply. Actually, your NAD plus levels decline as you increase in age. That's why I've turned to Basis by Elysium Health. Basis has increased my energy. I'm less tired. It's actually even helped with my workouts. And do you know at Elysium Health, they have dozens of the world's best scientists working with them and eight are Nobel Prize winners. So here's a special offer for you guys, my Behind the Velvet Rope listeners. Go to trybasis.com slash velvet and enter code velvet at checkout to save 10 10% off basis prepaid plans, as well as other Elysium Health supplements. Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone who's in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the most comfortable clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, which is my favorite part, and has a luxurious, cozy feel. Now you guys are listening to my podcast, so you're all reality TV fans. I'm sure you've seen Bombas on Shark Tank. Shout out Damon John. And listen. Do you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Their socks come in so many colors and patterns. So far, Bombas customers like yourself have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash velvet and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash velvet for 20% off. Bombas.com slash velvet. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is the world's largest online community for creativity. Members around the world turn to Skillshare for discovering inspiration, learning new skills, and putting their talents to work in ways that they care about. When I first turned to Skillshare, I wanted to take a class on entrepreneurship, but man, I got lost in the rabbit hole of Skillshare in a really good way. They have so many classes to choose from, and it's such a nurturing, fostering community of creativity. The best class that I just took was Productivity for Creatives. 
There are freaking not enough hours in the day, and I am always trying to find better ways to be creative. I didn't think it was possible, but this class really helped me. And they cover so many categories, illustration, graphic design, photography, lifestyle, productivity, my personal favorite, marketing, music, entrepreneurship. Need I go on? Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash velvet and get a one month free trial. That's one month free at Skillshare.com slash velvet. Do you ever think about like, you know, writing a book, just like your story, like here is the actual story of my life? I, I have that and it's my diary. I've been writing it my entire life. And so that I actually started putting that out before Tiger King came out and it, it's on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com forward slash Carol Baskin every day, I release a new day from my diary. And so it tells you every stupid thought I ever had in my entire life, every bad relationship I was ever involved in, every mistake I ever made, every, every awful thing. Cause when, I don't know if you keep a diary, but if you keep a diary, usually what you're talking about are the things that you're just trying to work through. You know, you're just like, Oh my God, this happened today. And you're like, I got to talk to somebody. So I'm talking to this book. And so it's, I forget something like over 10,000 pages. <laughs> wow. Huge. I actually printed it out one time and it's like five volumes that are like stacked side by side that big. Um, so nobody's ever going to read my book, but I thought if I put it out there in a video form that maybe people would either listen to it or watch it and have some sense of who I am. And, you know, there seems to be an awful lot of questions that were raised in Tiger King that allude to me knowing more than I then I shared and all of that. It's like, no, I mean, here's all of the faxes I sent back and forth with the sheriff's department for years trying to find my husband. And all of that's there. What about if Netflix called and said, listen, you know, it's been a number of years. We want to like tell, you know, the Carol Baskin story, like this diary that's out there. We want to turn this into, you know, a movie or a mini, you know, a series. Would you say yes? Knowing how Tiger King turned out, I'm already involved in a program like that. It's not about the story of Carol Baskin, but it's um, it's the work that we have done here for the past 30 years. And so it's covering, it doesn't go back in time currently because we're just doing the pilot for it, but it talks about the kinds of people that we're dealing with and the, the challenges that we face in trying to protect these animals and get the laws changed and all of that. And so it'll be really interesting to me to see whether or not the public has an appetite for that. I think they will because I think people love animals and I think that they want to know that there are people out there that are that are taking the risk of being killed by a hitman to to protect these animals and I think it will inspire people to maybe be more um, vocal about protecting the animals or the people or whatever their social cause is that they care about. I hear so many people say even within my industry that they don't want to say anything publicly or be too public about their opinions because they don't want people coming after them the way these animal abusers have come after me. And so I think by this show showing that I can take on these bad guys and I'm always going to win in the end, like I was just telling you what's happening with these cats in Thackerville. And when people see that they can be successful and they can change the world and they can make things right. I hope that that will inspire them to do that and that it'll be something they want to see every week on TV. And you would think, right, by showing that you are not afraid and, you know, you're still standing, that would inspire maybe some people to speak out more. 
Do you have any interest in acting at all? No, <laughs> my acting abilities are, I'm sure, equally bad to my dancing abilities. <laughs> well, you did last on Dancing with Stars for a while. <laughs> Three shows, that was it. And, you know, with, with the film crew that we're working with now, that's been a big part of the pushback between me and the producers. The producers are like, we want you to act this way. And I'm like, I'm not acting that way. I'm going to be who I am. And if people don't like who I am, then they're not going to watch the show and we're not going to do the show. But if they like who I am, then they're going to come back every week. And so I, I really have no ability to be somebody that I'm not. Do you know where this show might end up? Or it's really like in the beginning stages of a pilot and having to be shopped and all of that stuff? No, it's already sold. And I know where it's going. I just can't tell. Wow. And it's going to be huge and people are going to be able to see it, which is just fabulous. And if they like the two hour uh, piece, then that's when we would be able to go back and make it a weekly thing. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. I think people have an appetite when there's one, this is in my experience, when there's one narrative put out there and now the narrative is from someone else's point of view. I think people have an appetite for that, really. It's hard for me to know what people think or want because I only know people within my industry and of course everybody in my industry wants to see this thing put right but what about people out there that just don't care <laughs> what do they care what do they want to see I I don't know wow well congratulations on that you'll have to come back when that comes out yeah did dancing with the stars do you think that that helped like change the perception of you I know like that was part of the reason you did it and you know you were also able to like talk about big cats on the show like do you think that was successful and kind of showing a different side of you I think it was actually it was my family that wanted people to see a different side of me I didn't care what people thought of me but it really gave me the opportunity to get the main story out there which is the fact that we're going to lose the tiger in the wild in the next five years or so if we don't stop this cub heading right now because it's just creating a legal smokescreen for all of the illegal poaching that is sucking these cats right out of the wild and i, I really thank the people at dancing with the stars for giving me not only the platform on their show, but they also lined up so much press that the entire time I was in Hollywood, if I wasn't either in the dance ballroom or practicing in my, my room, I was on some kind of show or video or radio or something going on all the time talking about protecting big cats. So that was a huge, huge opportunity. In fact, I'm going out to LA next week for the premiere. What is this? Um, sorry, that's okay. on my screen. I'm going out to LA for the premiere of the conservation game film. And we're, um, since we're going to be right back near Hollywood, I wanted to meet up with, um, what's her name? No, I can't think of her name. Deanna Cat, Dina Katz, who was the person who had invited me on to Dancing with the Stars. But unfortunately, she's traveling to the other side of the country on the same week that I'm going there. So we're going to miss each other. But we were so looking forward to being able to hook up when we had the chance. That must be a nice aspect of being on the show, just getting to go to like premieres and such things like that. Well, the premiere for the conservation game is totally unrelated to Dancing with the Stars. I was just going to meet up with her while I was there. But one of the things they told me when I joined the cast was that I was joining a family. And I thought, well, you know, that's just, that's, 
their way of saying welcome to Hollywood. But it's really been that way. I mean, they reach out, we email back and forth, and it's just been, I felt like the whole time I was there, I was part of a family, and I still feel like these are really close personal friends. I mean, so many shows have like an all-star season, like Big Brother, Survivor. If they did like a Dancing with the Stars all-stars and called you and, you know, wanted you to come back, would you do it? I would do it. I don't think that would happen, though, because I didn't last anywhere near as long as most of their stars do. Well, I mean, this is just my idea. What if they took a bunch of people that were voted out in the beginning? You're all within the first three weeks. So it's (laughs) going to be losers. (laughs) Well, I like to call it second chance dancing with the stars. (laughs) So no one's going to be more well-versed than you in the experience. That would give you a, you know, you would have as good a chance as everyone else. Yeah, I would do that. How was Tyra? I mean, so many people have, I've talked to so many people that have been on Dancing with the Stars. Like so many people have so many things to say about Tyra. Like how was Tyra to you? She was so nice. And she was another one that when she called me, when I got there, I thought it was a a prank call because I thought no way in heck, even though I'm on the show, no way is somebody like Tyra Banks going to be calling me. And she did. And she was just so warm and welcoming. And I, she had offered to take me out to dinner, but I didn't want to be exposed to COVID there. So I was really isolating. And um, I, I found her to be lovely to work with. I know that there were an awful lot of nasty things that were said about her in the press. And yet, I'm there every day. I'm not seeing any of this going on. So I don't, I just don't believe anything I see in the press anymore. I personally believe nothing either just from doing this job. Maybe that was like, do do you think Tyra called everyone or do you think it was just you? Like in a sense, to your point, you both are kind of in that situation where there's so much said about you. There's so much said about her negative, negative. Like, do you think that was like a bonding thing with Tyra and you, or do you think she just called everyone to welcome them? I have no idea. I can't believe you said no to a dinner. Damn. She was like, let me show you my town. You are in my town. I want to show you around. I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) I just want to be isolated in this room. COVID was scary. Especially there. My goodness. And that was in the beginning, right? Yeah. There's a lot of talk and there's a lot of people that think that you should run, you know, you should get involved in politics. Like, would you ever consider running for some office? That is so weird that people say that. Um, The whole time that I was filming with Tiger, it wasn't called Tiger King then, but the whole time I was filming with Eric Good, he just, he kept hammering home on that. And I thought, well, maybe he's needing like a counterpart to the stupid things Joe was doing. And he's needing me to say that I would do that. And I kept telling him, no, I have zero interest in politics. I get involved in political issues when they involve cats, but I don't want to have to be making decisions on your health care or when to leave Afghanistan or any of that stuff. That is, that is hard stuff that God bless the people who do want to do it, but that's not me. It's a whole different ballgame when you're in it, when you're in it. What about the fact, I mean, I know we talked about the last time you were here, you said, you know, there's a lot of fans that run up to you and just want a selfie. And like, sometimes you think that that is someone coming for you and like, you know, because of like Joe and all this, and it's like a scary, have you, and you know, you were talking about like drones flying over. And like, I think there was a house that was on fire and you weren't sure if that was like connected to Joe. Have you had any other like strange things like that happen or even like additional strange fan encounters recently? 
If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Why would you want to look all over for candidates that are not going to be qualified? How do you think I've staffed this entire office that helps me run this Behind the Velvet Rope podcast? Indeed, do you think I have time to spend hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates that might have the right skills? Indeed makes it easy to hire and offer so much. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of qualified candidates with resumes that actually match your job description. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash velvet. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash velvet to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From Wondery, Rich and Daily is a podcast you guys have to check out. What do they deal with? They give you your daily dose of celebrity gossip. Is there anything we like here better behind the velvet rope, you guys, than celebrity gossip? You know the answer is no. Kim and Pete? Courtney and Travis? Is there going to be a wedding? Of course, but when is the wedding going to be? What is Chris Jenner going to plan this wedding? So many questions. They keep us posted on everything. Host Brooke Schifrin and Arisha Skidmore-Williams. They're comedians. They're besties. And they're the perfect guides to spill all the celebrity tea. They'll keep you up to speed on the secrets, the scandals, the news, and the entertainment world. It's like a one-stop shop for your celebrity gossip. And look, Brooke and Arisha, they're like me. They don't hold back on nothing. They tell it like it is. What's fact? What's fiction? Don't worry. Brooke and Arisha will get to the bottom of it. Listen to Rich and Daily on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen and free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Look what's going on in our world today, especially in our world of reality TV, Twitter and Instagram. We see people posting that look beautiful and glamorous and rich and they look like they have everything. And listen, it's creating a lot of self-esteem issues amongst people. If you're struggling with issues of low self-esteem or anything else, body issues, anxiety, one size does not fit all when it comes to looking for help or therapy. That's why I'm telling you, you need to turn to Talkspace. Talkspace Online Therapy gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist that is set aside to meet your needs and help you with the issues that you're looking to work out. In today's world, everybody is so busy, but listen, Talkspace understands you need to set time aside to put yourself first. They have chat, video, audio options for live sessions, and you can get support on your own terms from any device. Get the one size fits one support you need with Talkspace. Sign up today at Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code VELVET. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com promo code VELVET. I had one that was not really so strange, but um, it was a situation where somebody had seen me on my bike as I was going down the major thoroughfare. So there's a lot of traffic, but he had pulled into a trailer park and then had pulled up in front of me and blocked my way so that I had to stop. And then it wasn't, but maybe a couple of weeks later, I was hiring somebody to come and do some work at my house and it turned out to be the same guy. (laughs) So I was like, Whoa, that's a little weird, but um, it was just somebody wanting a selfie. And I was really glad to have somebody working in my yard who was a fan. So that turned out nice. Everybody still has been really, really nice in person. I got um, 
I hadn't gotten any really hateful texts or emails until just a few days ago. I got one that was pretty awful from Pennsylvania, but there was an awful lot of talk that was going on that day about Grant Kimmerer and him losing his license in New York and him being one of the main producers of Cubs for Jack Hanna. And that was in the conservation game. So we had been talking about the conservation game and then we get this nasty thing from Pennsylvania. So it's like, that was probably Grant or somebody in his circle that hates me for that. Is that how it is? Like when there's something kind of happening in the world of big cats, you just get a random hate DM. Yeah. Would you ever do any other reality TV? I think, you know, like if someone wanted to do, I think, I don't know if we talked about this last time, like, you know, if they just wanted to follow you and your husband and like your family or just any other reality TV, like Survivor, Big Brother, they have celebrity editions of those all the time. Yeah, probably not. I, I think we would bore people to death with our lives because so much of the stuff that we do is sitting in front of a computer screen. And that's been one of the challenges with the show that we're currently filming is um, getting, trying to take the things that we do behind a computer screen into something actionable where you can actually see it happen and where the public can feel like they're part of that mission. And so that's been a real challenge because usually it's just us directing what happens from our desks. So I'm afraid something where it's like just a camera following you around all day, it's going to be a camera sitting at my desk all day. Right. Like people think certain jobs are so glamorous and you're on the go and you're like, just really sending a lot of emails and dealing with things behind the computer. Yeah. What about, I'm sure your approach with like wacky business opportunities all the time, any What's like the strangest opportunity you've been presented? Strangest thing. Um, Most of the things that I have turned down are things where they want me to participate in some kind of a feud with Joe or any of the characters from Tiger King where they want to be able to play us off each other or have us debate each other or be involved in some kind of a a video game or something where we are characters with each other. And so much of that was just fabricated. There was like we talked before, there was never a feud between Joe and I have never even spoken to him. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be a party to that craziness because I think it dilutes away from the things that are really important, which are protecting these cats and having people change the way they behave as far as like not going to circuses and not wearing fur and not going to the zoo. Those kinds of things are lost if I get dragged down into the muck with that ilk. And hopefully that will come across in this new project too, because that is a huge misconception. Like people think you and Joe spoke every day and hate it. You know, that's the conception that there was this feud in person, on the phone, had like just there was so much interaction. So I think that is a huge misconception. And it's so funny because so many people would, I mean, the media, they'd be like, tell us about this feud between Joe and I. And I always started out with, it wasn't a feud. I never even talked to him. And then the headline would be, Carol Beth Baskin discusses feud with Joe. So I was like, no, I didn't. The media has a way of picking out a sentence and just running with it. Yeah. We could, so I've learned. 
That's what about cameo? I mean, you're killing it on cameo. Do you love doing cameos? I find it really hard to do cameos. I do them and I try to do them to the very best of my ability, but I'm just not a small talk kind of person. Like if I'm at a. Me either. (laughs) Despite what you might think from doing this job, I'm not a small talker either. You know, if I go to a party and people are saying, you know, asking about the weather, asking about whatever, and I'm just like, I want to know things like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What drives you? What what would you do if money weren't, you know? And so those are the kinds of things that I want to talk to people about. And that's not the kind of thing you get to talk about on Cameo. It's like happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy new baby. It's like, and all those new baby ones, I'm like, what the heck are you thinking bringing a child into this planet right now? Seriously. No, I'm the same way. It's like, that's part of why I love this job. Like, and I don't read headlines. I'm like, people ask me, what's this person like? What's that person like? I have no opinion based on TV, headlines, movies. I'm like, once I speak to you and our interaction before and at, that's, that's what I judge it on. That's what I love about this job. It's like, you feel you get to know someone just a little bit better, even though we're on air and stuff, you still do. It's still an intimate moment. So I get it. Now, mind you, when you're at a cocktail party, you ask people that they're like, I just want to talk about the weather. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> That's when you're like, I should just be home working now. Right. You're like, this is a waste of my time. Yeah. So that's when you it. start going to your phone. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this isn't going anywhere. What about are there a lot of people on Cameo that ask you to do things where you're just like reject, reject? Because you can reject Cameos. Do you get a lot of strange requests? I get an awful lot of requests from people who think that it is funny to make fun of the fact that I lost my husband or to make fun of the fact that Joe's in jail. And I don't find those things funny. So I'll write them back because you can give them a little reason why saying I'm declining this because of whatever the issue is. And I'm happy to do this in a way that's not abusive to somebody else. If you want to try again. That's nice of you. What about, you know, listen, a lot of people dressed up as Carol Baskin last year for Halloween. Is that creepy and strange or is that flattering? I, I don't know what their reason is. So it's hard for me to really form an opinion because if you think about Halloween costumes, they're usually things that are ghoulish or bad. And so when people are dressing up as me, I'm thinking, well, you know, if, if your intent was to see me as a villain and dress up as a villain, and you're so proud of it that you want to send me pictures of you and your family and everybody doing it, I just, I I don't really know where they're coming from because they seem legitimate when they're like, oh my God, I love you so much. I dressed up as you for Halloween. And it's like, what what was your thought about what that meant when you were doing that, that I really don't understand. And, you know, I'm not going to get into a huge conversation with people. I'm just, oh, that's nice. Yeah. You're like, you probably meant well by this, but well, yeah, on they must, because I don't think they would reach out to me if they were trying to be mean about it. Their words don't seem to be mean about it. I just, I can't imagine. And I guess some people dress up as people that they idolize. It's just, I never know what a person's real thoughts are when they do that. Well, despite the headband, I promise you, I was not one of them. 
I am not a Halloween person, believe it or not. I do not get into Halloween. I'm like a, I, like a fun police. I just don't understand Halloween really. But on that note, you know, I mean, your mission is the big cats are all about the big cat. So, I mean, do you like being famous? I mean, you are famous. Like, do you like that aspect of, I mean, that is your life now for better or worse. I think it will dissipate. And I'm starting to see that, like, as I ride my bike back and forth, I'm not being accosted as much as I was before. And so that's good. And I think it's really good that this happened during COVID when we were wearing masks and weren't going out in public a lot. So it gave me a level of um, anonymity that I probably would not have been able to enjoy under ordinary circumstances. The benefits that it has given me as far as being able to get people to return my call when I'm calling a member of Congress, that has been hugely helpful to me. And I didn't know how that was going to go. I didn't know how that would be perceived by people that are in those levels of government and, you know, whether they would want to be associated with somebody who was so, so evilly portrayed. But as it turns out, it has turned out to be a good thing. Do you think you get a lot of calls returned now? More than I ever did before. You know, before when I would call, it was like, oh, it's that crazy cat person from Big Cat Rescue again. I wish you'd just go away kind of an attitude. And now it's like, hey, would you come into the office and take pictures with my with my staff? And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And then I'm going to call you a week from now and say, have you signed on to this bill yet? <laughs> just give them the picture and then call a week later. I like that strategy. What about, I mean, so do you think like the mask really does help you like, you know, riding your bike or going into town? Like, does that really like in a way now that we're wearing masks, that kind of probably helps you? I think so. Um, I think, and my hair is a big problem. So, you know, I've tried like tying all my hair into a knot so you can't see all of this floating behind me because some blonde on a bike, you're going to know who that is. Uh, but if I can tie my hair up enough to where there's not a lot of it sticking out and I've got gigantic sunglasses, these sunglasses are, <laughs> they cover half my face. So you get this on and then you cover this much on and now you've got no hair. <laughs> so, I don't think I would hard. recognize you with all that. <laughs> I mean, is it constant or no, it's kind of dissipated. Like if you were to go out in public, even without like you find that now people are starting to just leave you alone. More. I went through a drive through twice in the last two weeks or so. And neither one of the people who took my credit card had a freaking fit. And so I was like, hey, this thing is, it's about over. <laughs> um, whereas I'm still, I was riding my bike. I passed a couple of people on the sidewalk. And after I passed them, I heard one of them say to the other one that that was Carol Baskin. So I don't know if he sees me there all the time or if it just, he was guessing that, um, so it, it is diminishing. And at least you don't have, because I know people that have had, like, it sounds like you don't have people that come up to you negatively in real life, like on social media, sure. But that's good because I know people that people feel entitled to just come up and tell them why they hate you just standing wow. right there, which is a strange world that we live in. Like in what world would you ever, I mean, if I saw someone that I couldn't stand for some reason, first of all, I would know them as a human being. And I probably wouldn't go up and just start telling them, but it's, that's good that that doesn't happen to you. No, it hasn't happened once. 
And I feel for people that that does happen to, I mean, that's horrible. I just assumed that everybody was like that, that even, you know, if they were hated, that people wouldn't come up to them in public because people surely wouldn't be like that, but you're telling me different. Yeah, I, I know different. What about there's so much going on or there has been so much going on like Joe Exotic. I mean, I know we have this thing where now his case is going to be retried and, you know, it, he may be, you know, they've ruled or determined like put, putting all the legal mumbo jumbo out of it that, you know, instead of being tried for two counts of attempted murder, it's going to be one count and that could reduce his sentence possibly. How do you feel about that? Well, actually, it's not going to be retried because that was part of their ruling was that the conviction would stand. What's different is what you just mentioned, that it's going to be the sentencing adjusted because right. of whether or not they lumped them together. So I'm not really concerned about that. I feel like the judge will do the right thing. And I can't comment much more until after that happens to see. But I was I was listening in on the call when the... Um, attorney for Joe was making the case and listening to the appellate judges question him. And what they were saying is they didn't see this making more than a four month difference in his sentence. So other people have said that it could make a few years difference in his sentence and we'll see what the judge decides. Yeah. I don't know. I had read five years, but I mean, again, I just read it and I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Do you think like, even if this is granted a few months, five years or not granted, like, do you think Joe will ever stop trying, you know, you say you get five months. I, do you think he'll then say, okay, or is he going to keep trying something to reduce this sentence to like tomorrow? You know, I don't even know if it's so much about getting out of jail, which I'm sure he would prefer to be out of jail than in jail. But I think for just what I do know about Joe is that he just loves being the center of attention. So I think he's always going to be doing and saying things to try and keep in the public eye. And I think that's going to be a lot harder for him going forward because in the past he could do that with the lure of tiger cubs, that he could offer you something nobody else was willing to do. He could let you do things that you weren't allowed to do elsewhere. And now he doesn't have that. And the judges said that under no circumstances will he ever have access to big cats again. So without that, it, it gives him a much more limited way of being able to stay in, in public minds, I think. Do you think that's really what it's about for him? Like it was never really about the money he was making. You really just think that was his claim to fame. And if the judge says you'll never do this again, he'll he's craving that and we'll find something else to be in the center of it all. I think so. I just think like, where do you get the money for all? Like this can't be cheap to keep going with lawyers and legal. I mean, at some point, if you have a losing case, you don't throw good money after bad. You just say, this isn't financially worth it. I'm just going to move on in life. I don't think he's paying for his representation. I think these are public defenders. And then, um, this most recent person that has taken on his case, everybody else that he's represented against me has been pro bono or not pro bono has been, uh, yeah, pro bono. So my guess is it's the same arrangement there. That's kind of what I thought. Well, wanting to stay in the light of it all. I don't know if you heard this, like he's saying he wants to have bachelor King and 
has called for men all over the world to submit your video or profile. And he's going to choose the top three people and they're going to get an all expense trip, I guess, to say hi in jail. I mean, that's not a very good prize. Well, I mean, what person in welcome to jail? (laughs) Yeah. Or like when he gets out there, he's promising them something, but who is submitting their application to be Joe Exotic's new boyfriend? I would love to know. I mean, I'm going to pass on that personally. It's a little strange, right? You know, I just read an article a few days ago that listed a bunch of people who were murderers that are now in prison and talking about how there has become this weird fascination and cult following of these murderers that they had like huge social channels. And the only person that was on the list that wasn't an actual murderer who just, just, you know, been convicted for murder for hire was Joe. And I thought that that, I mean, forgetting him altogether, all these other guys, people who had like killed a mother and her infant child and all of these horrific murderers that have these people that just worship them. What is wrong with our society? That's where our society has got it all wrong. Like people want 15 minutes of fame. It's the strangest thing. It's not money. It's not, you don't get any money from this. It's like, they're attracted to these people. I'm assuming because they're in the media and they have a name. That's yes. That's when you're like, something has happened to our society. I was shocked, just shocked. And, you know, I would have, I would have chalked it up to just being another stupid media headline story, but these people did have huge social followings on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And it's like, that's not, that's not made up by the press. That is people clicking and saying, I, I like this. I want more of this. And it's like, what is wrong with all those people? Like, why? It's very strange. That's when it's like social media has eroded our society. And listen, I say all the time, if I didn't have this job, which I mean, you too, like you have a job where it's kind of tied to social media, like you want to get the word out there. I would never be on social media. You would never, like, I would not exist in this world. I would be having a a life and you would never hear about me. It's just work-related. I don't know people who do it not work-related. I don't know why. I'm like, why are you spending 20 hours looking into your phone? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what that is. And yet none of this would exist if it weren't for an awful lot of that going on. That's how you get a show like Tiger King, where it becomes about sensationalized headlines and ratings. What about the fact that Joe's ex-husband now has like a new boyfriend? Any thoughts on that? We had heard, um, you know, the big cat community is such a small group of people. And so through the grapevine, which you can never really believe, but I mean, Joe wasn't behind bars, I don't think, for maybe a few weeks, a couple of months at the most, before we were hearing that people were saying that Dylan had already moved on. And despite the fact that people were seeing him show up and be supportive of Joe, he, that he had already moved on with his life. If you noticed, his ring was now around his neck. It wasn't on his hand anymore. And so even within the filming that they did, he wasn't wearing the ring anymore. He was wearing it around his neck. And so I just, I don't know personally what that relationship is like or 
anything. I do know that when Dylan first took up with Joe, the only things that I had seen on his social media was that he was this very well-loved cheerleader at his school and people just adored him and he seemed to have so much promise in his life. And I wondered how on earth did Joe manage to suck you into this web? Because I've never seen anybody come out of it better for the experience. And I felt bad for the kid, but I'm, I'm glad that he's out on his own and um, putting some distance between whatever that was and his future. Yeah. And he was attractive. Like, I'm like, how did this happen? I, I wondered it myself. What do you think is the biggest misconception of you, which hopefully will be cleared up as this new TV project comes out, but what do you think is the biggest misconception of you? Well, the one thing that I keep hearing from people and they said it in Tiger King is that I'm hiding something and I'm not, I've put it out there from the very beginning, when we were first looking for Don, I was reaching out to the sheriff's office. I was giving them every clue I possibly came across. They were coming out to the sanctuary all of the time. And it wasn't just them. It was like every armchair detective for miles. And I mean, like across the country was coming out to the sanctuary and they'd want to spend the night and they'd want to snoop all around the property. I'm like, fine, whatever you can find, this is good. If you know anything that helps us is great. And yet all of that was suppressed in Tiger King and made to look like I was trying to hide something, not dealing with the, the sheriff's office and nothing could have been further from the truth. I spent years looking for Don. So I think that's one of the bigger misconceptions. I think the whole basis of the archetype that they tried to create was this gold digger that broke up a marriage and um, took a man for his money. That wasn't the case at all. When I met Don, he told me he was a different person with a different name and a different story. <laughs> that was the person I fell in love with. And he said that he worked for somebody named Don Lewis. And what I came to know about Don was that he could barely read or write. I'm the person that built up our real estate business. I'm the person that made us wealthy. And I always, my mother, God bless my mother, she my father was um, a really interesting person. My father's gone. My mother's still with me. But my father was like this entrepreneurial spirit. And so his jobs would change and he'd change interest in doing different things. And so my mother was like this stable rock of our family. And my father was like all over the place. And my father could earn well when he did, but then he'd lose it all and he'd have to start over again. And he'd lose it all and he'd start over again. And so the one thing that I noticed growing up is that my mother always made it look like my father was the smart person that made all the great decisions that pulled the family through. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, no, it's not, it's her. And so that was the way I was raised to be in a relationship that the woman was always to take a back seat to the man and that he was the person that would be given all of the credit and authority and everything. And I did such a great job of it that people believed it. And I had no reason to ever dispel that myth until Tiger King came out and painted that portrait. And I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> Let me show you the public record here that shows all of that to be a lie. And so those things can be verified in the public record that I was the person out there doing these investments and that um, you know, so many of the people didn't even know who Don was. I told people that my name was C. Stairs and that I was working for this very important businessman because nobody would deal with a woman back then 
And so when I married Don, Don Lewis, they thought his name must be Stairs, that he was the brains behind this all the time, because surely it couldn't have been a woman. And so I think that's one of the other misconceptions. And of course, you know, I lost almost everything during the conservatorship and I've built it all back up. And that right there should tell people who it was that actually did this, but that doesn't fit with the narratives that they fell for in Tiger King. So they don't have any reason to want to believe that. Do you think anyone knows that? Like, you know, do you ever hear from women that say like, you go, like you're, you know, you took on someone that's in jail without any fear. You had no fear of all these other situations. You did build this business. Do you think anyone gets that? Like, you know, do you hear from women ever that are like, you're a role model, you're a powerful woman. Like, I want to grow up and be like you. You have no fear. You built a business. Do you hear from women like that? I mean, you get your share of hate. I understand. Yeah, I do. I do get that kind of um, feedback from people. And that's really, I think it's helpful because it lets me know that by putting that out there, because I didn't have to, to ever dispel the myth of him being this successful businessman, but, and I felt bad about doing it because I wasn't raised that way, but by doing that and letting other women know that it's okay to, to take um, credit for the things that they've done in their lives that they've had to hide or they've had to suppress in order to be considered polite in society, that it has given them that opportunity to say, I did this. I, I did this on my own and I deserve the credit for it. What about, does it bother you like when you do interviews and do you think it'll ever go away that, you know, there is this misconception that, you know, you and Joe had this feud and just, well, even bringing up his name, does that bother you? And is that starting to dissipate? And do you think there'll ever be a day when there's an interview with Carol Baskin where someone does not at least want one sentence of a question about Joe Exotic? <laughs> I don't know if, if people will ever get to that point. I, I don't know. Because for, for better or worse, it is what it is that this whole thing has forever tied our names into a knot that people can't seem to pick apart. Yes. It seems like there have been some major developments in Big Cat Rescue and what you're doing. What is kind of next for you and like, what's like the next hurdle to tackle? I mean, I, I realize it's a job that is never really going to be completed, right? I mean, there's so much to do. Yeah, there is a lot. Um, getting our federal bill passed is the most important thing. And that will eliminate well over 90%, I think over 95% of the abuse of big cats in this country. Wow. Because it prohibits cub petting, which means people can't do it. And if people can't do it, then people won't be breeding hundreds of cubs every year to supply that demand. And that means hundreds of cubs will end up being killed by the time they're 12 to 16 weeks old or ending up in backyards or as pets or in the illegal trade causing all of that smoke screen for the illegal poaching of tigers from the wild. So that's going to have a huge impact. And I think probably within the next five to 10 years, most of the big cats that are in cages across America will die out. The government of South Africa has already gone ahead of US on saying their, their um, 
their minister of the environment has said that she's cracking down on cupheading and not allowing that anymore in their industry because it's such a black eye. Well, it wasn't a black eye until Tiger King came out. People saw how ugly that is to take those cubs away from their moms and use them that way. So I thought we'd have to fight this battle in the US and then fight it in South Africa. Looks like South Africa is going to get to the punchline way before the US does. So wow. I'm about that. And then, you know, there will be enforcement issues trying to get the USDA and the federal government to enforce the laws once they are passed, because they typically don't want to enforce the laws. So it just means constant nagging until they do. But we'll keep on nagging until they do. And then I think the biggest hurdle is the notion of having animals, big cats anyway, in the bigger zoos. I don't think exotic cats belong in cages, period. And I think there are better things that we can do to support these animals in the wild where they should be through virtual reality and augmented reality and internet streaming cameras where everybody in the world with a headset could be tuning in to see those cats in the wild. And I think the subscription fees for those feeds, just like you would pay to have Netflix or cable, those should go back into the wild where those animals live so that people who live with tigers or live with lions are encouraged through the monetary rewards that they get to protect those animals and protect nature. If you think about all of the wars that we have around the world, they are fighting for resources and our resources are being plundered through things that are not sustainable. And so if we can create models where the entire world can have the benefit of beautiful animals coming into their their computers and their phones and their headsets through that money going back into those areas where those people are protecting those animals, then you create a virtuous circle that could work in just about any kind of a realm. That makes sense. Listen, it all comes back to money. And if that is how, I mean, that is a great idea. I've never even thought of that. Do you think, I mean, I understand like the federal bill, that makes a lot of sense. That would be the first thing. Do you ever think it will get to the point where like zoos are just not allowed to have any big cats at all? I don't, I don't know if it would be that they're not allowed to. I think the public has changed so much. In fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I love this podcast called Science Versus, where they talk to all these scientists and they were talking about children today have higher IQs than children from the 50s and 60s. And I think I see so much of that in young people that they're like, I don't want to go to a zoo. I don't want to see an animal in a cage. That, that's cruel. And it's like, yeah, they get it. We, my generation, we didn't get it. But this generation, they got it. And so if they refuse to go pay to see an animal in a cage, zoos are going to have to remake themselves. And I think they right now should be investing in the technologies that would bring those kinds of experiences to people who visit the zoos, because not everybody can afford a $500 headset. But if you could afford to go to a free zoo or a $5 zoo, and you get to use their headset, and you go to the Himalayas, and you see live cameras that are streaming those cats in the wild doing what they do, and you have somebody, maybe they're is a biologist in the room who is kind of narrating along with what they see on the screen. And this is how this feeds into nature and this circle of life and all of that. It can become this amazing experience that's really educational and serves conservation, which is what zoos all say they're about. They say that they're there for conservation. 
having cats in cages is not conservation. Conservation is saving habitat. And the only way we're going to save habitat is if that's the only place we can see those amazing animals. Such a good idea. And in a way, you would get closer to the animals. Like, I mean, VR these days is insane. Like, you would feel like you literally were right there as opposed to however far it is that you're looking. Interesting. I never thought that's a, I like this idea. Is there a lot of people do? Yeah, I know. I think that's, I mean, like, I think I've told you last time, like I was in, I've been in Africa and like, you know, I know there's, that's not the ideal standard because there's a lot of things they do wrong there too on safari. But I mean, I've gotten up pretty close to like, at least like lions and cheetahs and I mean, it's, they're beautiful. And that's the way we should be seeing them if we want to learn anything about them. People use the excuse that they're going to the zoo to teach their kids about these animals. Seeing some cat trying to hide from you because it's so miserable with the fact that you're out there bothering it, that's not, that's not who they are in the wild. They'd be killing you in the wild. Right. Like I try to explain to people like, no, like when you see a pack of lions like that don't really know you're there, that is observing really a true existence of what life is like in a family of lions. You know, that's interesting to me, but this VR, I think it's a great idea. Is there anything else? Yeah, go on. I think a lot of the technology has finally caught up to it. We have the cameras, we have the blockchain, we have the ability to create these splits where, you know, say 90% of the money goes back to the local community and 5% goes to the zoo for paying for that feed so that they can then provided out to the people who come. And you would, and right. And the local communities need the money more than anything. So you would think they would then go out of their way to protect these animals. Like if you came near this, these animals, that's it because they need the money. So I think it's like a win, win, win. Interesting. I love it. Anything else you want to bring up and leave us with in the world of big cats or anything that I didn't cover here today? I want to give you your platform to say anything you want that I didn't bring up. Well, for everybody who loves big cats and wants a future where these cats are living free, I hope they will go to bigcatact.com. And when they type in their name and address, the system is smart. It knows who your members of Congress are. It will send them an email. It will send them a tweet. And you can even make a call where it will actually dial up both of your senators and your representative in succession. And all you have to say is, please ask your boss to co-sponsor the Big Cat Public Safety Act stay on the line. It'll call the next one and the next one. And if you're shy about calling Congress, because a lot of people have never done that before, do it on the weekend, do it at night. You're going to talk to an answering machine. Yeah. You don't have to do it when someone's there. That's really great. Where can everyone find you online? Big Cat Rescue is everywhere on every social channel you can imagine. And it's where we have all of the really great stuff, all of the cats, all of the people that want to talk to you about cats. I am on all of those social channels as Carol Baskin because I had to set that up during Dancing with the Stars. They don't allow you to use your corporate accounts, but I hardly ever pay attention to my social accounts. So you'll probably never hear from me there. It's all through Big Cat Rescue. And people can come and stay at Big Cat Rescue, right? They can visit. Not, you know, they can't stay. Yeah, we had to close on March the 15th of the last year because of COVID and we're still closed, which is costing us over a million dollars a year not having a tour. Wow. Hopefully you can open soon because I know a lot of people want to take a tour. Yeah, this Delta virus is just scaring me to death. Let's just hope that 
it goes away and people can, yeah, it's scaring me to death too. It's not scaring everyone, which is where we started this conversation. I don't know why not, but it's, there's a lot of people should pay attention to this, I think. Well, I'm sorry it's costing you money, but when this next project comes out, I'm so excited to watch it. You'll come back. It's always a pleasure. And I really hope that people listen and do call on the weekends or night if they don't want to speak to anyone because every little bit helps. So always a pleasure, Carol. I really appreciate your time once again. Well, thank you, David. You are such a delight. And I love the flowers. Love them. It's going to be something different next time. Mixing (laughs) it up for you. Different color shirt, different top. I mean, listen, you have to... You have to respect all the cool cats and kittens out there. So, you already hit my favorite color combo, which is all the pinks. Listen, if you didn't think I was a gay man before, this is like pink. It's all about pink for me. So <laughs> there you go. But definitely keep in touch. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.